Good morning. Uh, I just want to personally thank each and every one of you for being here. Uh, our area of the state endured some really severe weather uh, over this past 24 hours. And I want to start our services off this morning by offering a word of prayer to each family affected. And there is an elementary school not far from here, Bowley Elementary, uh, that sustained a fire uh, yesterday. And the school was basically a complete loss. And I, Kirsten and I were driving to church this morning thinking of all the things that we take for granted every single day. And one of the things Kirsten and I love at the end of the school year is just compiling all the kids' schoolwork from the entire year and just keeping all that and looking through it and seeing the progress that, that our kiddos have made. Each kid in that school lost all of their work. Teachers lost mementos that no doubt they've had for decades. There were some people injured. I, uh, I heard a report that one young man lost his life in this community. And so, um, guys, this was a, a tragic uh, storm, lots of people affected. Let's open in a word of prayer and let's pray for all those impacted in our community. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you so grateful that in the name of Jesus, you hear our prayers and our supplications. And, and God, our hearts go out to each family affected by the storms in this community. God, to the family whose son uh, lost his life, our, our hearts and minds uh, mourn alongside that family. We just ask that you would provide them with some peace and comfort that transcends understanding. God, the school not far from this church, Bowley Elementary, uh, that sustained a fire. God, I ask that the memories uh, lost and that the work lost uh, would be easily recalled by the teachers and students that were affected and that they would find some way to rebuild and, and that they would be drawn to putting their hope and trust more deeply in you. God, to each family that's still without power, to each home damaged by water or wind or rain, God, to anyone affected, we ask that your hand be upon each of those situations. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, I want to mention two things to you before we get started. The first is tonight at 530 we are having our Passover meal. Uh, the tickets to that are free. You just got to have one so we know how many people to expect. If you have not attended, it is an event not to be missed. If you look at your bulletin on the back side, you see our church's mission is to make disciples who love God, love others, and share Jesus. We do events like this in our church so that you can fulfill the mission of our church. You can participate in serving in that meal. You can invite someone to participate in that meal. And you can encourage your church family by being present. That is how we fulfill our mission here at WFR Church. So I want you to attend that if you're able to. The second thing I want to mention is that we have a prayer room here at this church. And we have a group of people, this is led by Kathy Abels, who are actively praying for our community, for our church family, and for individual needs in the lives of people that you notify our church about. Some of you have never been to our prayer room. That's in the B wing. It's the first room on your right. And today we're having an open house. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, it's in the A wing. And today we're having an open house A-wing. It's the farthest from where I'm standing on the right-hand side as you go up those stairs headed to the church offices. There are some refreshments being served. No guarantees you'll get any refreshments unless you beat me to uh, the open house. So 
chop to it. I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to be speaking to you from the book of Exodus today. Uh, God put a series of lessons on my heart uh, for this Easter sermon series that I am taking from Exodus chapter 6. This year we are doing a theme of following after Jesus. And we are building up to uh, our, our discipleship ministry kickoff starting this fall. That's called Rooted. I'll be talking more and more about that as we get closer to that launch date. But that's the purpose of us focusing on following Jesus in 2019. We really want to become a disciple-making factory at WFR Church. And um, in, in, in God's Word, we see that God has a plan to rescue His people. And the, the story of the exodus of the Israelites is a very powerful uh, parallel between the work of God at Passover to free his people from captivity and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross to free you from your captivity. So we're going to be talking about that theme as we move through this series. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God makes four Passover promises to his people in this section of Scripture. The first thing he says is, I will bring you out. I will take you out from the place you have become captive in. That's the rescue plan of God. We talked about that last week. That God has heard your cries. He is concerned with your suffering. And He is coming down from heaven to rescue you. The second lesson I'm going to be teaching on today tells us that God sometimes doesn't just need to bring His people out of slavery. Sometimes God's got to get the slavery out of his people to really set his people free. Easter Sunday, we're going to be talking about redemption. God says, I will redeem you. I will bring you out. I will set you free and I will redeem you. Redemption is about the cost of our freedom. There is no such thing as freedom without cost. And the Lord God, by sending his one and only son to die on the cross of Calvary, paid the price for our redemption. God also tells the Israelites that he will make them his own people. And when we become the people of God, we are given a specific mission. And that mission is to help rescue other people and set them free. One minister says it like this. You are God's plan A to help other people become set free. And there is no plan B. God depends on you to get on mission and live out his purpose in your life. So I want to draw your attention to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40 to get this lesson started today. God has been working to set his people free from captivity in Egypt. God has sent plagues on the Egyptian people to demonstrate both his power to the Egyptians and the Israelites and to promote freedom in his people that are being held captive. The scriptures teach us in Exodus that God's last plague was Passover. God sent an angel of death over, uh, over Egypt 
And any household that had the blood of a lamb over their doorpost was passed by by the angel of death. The firstborn children die and and, uh, Pharaoh says, get out of my country. And in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40, we get the final statement in that story. The length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. This is one of the most victorious moments in the history of the Israelite kingdom. It demonstrates the season where God showed his power to his people and his enemies and set captives free. God's people leave slavery on this day, but their hearts and minds are still very much held captive by their slavery. And I want to remind you that God sometimes doesn't just need to lead you out of slavery. Sometimes God has to lead and get the slavery out of you. Simply because you've been released from prison doesn't mean you don't still think like a prisoner. Simply because God has brought you from prison doesn't mean your attitude is not that of a person held captive. A new life, simply put, doesn't mean the absence of old patterns. And here's the truth. The higher the stress you experience in your new life, the higher the chance the old patterns will demonstrate and manifest themselves in your new one. It doesn't take the Israelites very long to show us this fact. A couple of chapters later in Exodus 14, Pharaoh has decided he's going to pursue this free uh, army of, of volunteers that he's just released from captivity. So Pharaoh and his army are pursuing the Israelites. And in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10, as he approaches, the Israelites look up and there are the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. Listen to the condition of their hearts here. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. New life, old way of thinking. New life, old attitude. New life, high stress, high demonstration of old patterns of thinking and behaving. That's exactly the situation the Israelites are in right here. Thankfully... Moses seemed to be a man who understood the mindset of a captive person very well. And he speaks truth directly to the people of God in an attempt not just to free them from slavery, but to get the slavery out of their hearts. A couple of verses later, Moses answers the people. This is Exodus 14, 13, and 14. He says a few things. The first thing he says is, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. In this brief statement, Moses speaks truth to the three reasons people tend to stay in slavery despite being brought out from their captivity. I want to give you each of those. The first thing Moses tells the people of God is not to be afraid. Church family, there is a twisted sense of security 
in familiar pain. Let me say that again. There's a twisted sense of security in familiar pain. So often the fear of the unknown keeps us locked into old ways of thinking. It's usually not until the fear of the unknown or the fear uh, or pain of the familiar outweighs the fear of the unknown that so many of us are really willing to risk stepping out in faith and following God to a place we've never experienced before. It's so often difficult to take the risk of following after God because our imaginations run wild with all the things that could go wrong or all the difficulties we might face or how our own character defects may end up sabotaging our future. And so we slowly are pulled back to our past. Moses says, do not be afraid to deal with that attitude of fear in the Israelite people. The second thing Moses said is to stand firm. When our foundation in life is not solid, it's hard to feel certain about where we stand. When we aren't sure where we stand, things get confusing. We aren't consistent. Our boundaries are poor. We can't be strong if our feet are not established on a solid foundation. How can we push against something or fight against something when it feels like the ground we stand on won't give us enough traction to stand firm? Instead, we get pushed around, controlled, and defeated by just about anything in life. If we will establish our feet on the solid rock that is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we find the strength to stand firm. And in so doing, we can set boundaries that will lead us on the pathway that God intends for us to follow down. The last thing Moses tells these guys is, be still. One mindset or tendency that keeps individuals in captivity is the tendency towards chaos. I want you to listen to this carefully. Slavery always leads to chaos. When a person is held captive to survive that captivity, so often that individual has to do whatever is required to distract themselves from the truth that their lives are held captive by someone or something. You know, a really good way to distract yourself from the truth about you is to create enough chaos in your life to give you something to think about other than the truth that you are held captive. What I'm saying is that people who are in captivity manufacture chaos to distract themselves from the reality of their situation. Here's what else is true. When I'm in a chaotic situation, stress levels in my body raise, and I can get more comfortable in that chaos than I can in the calm and peace of the freedom of God. So when a person's been delivered from captivity and finds the calm and peace of freedom of God, those individuals will sometimes complain of boredom, feeling a lack of meaning, or not having anything to do. The tragedy there is they're really being pulled back to that old way of life, to manufacturing chaos as a way to distract them from their situation. Here's another truth. Chaos is always a function of sin. You and I serve a God that creates with purpose, plan, and order in mind. 
God is light and God is unchanging. When you are living for God and living in the light, you'll have clarity, consistency, and direction. Our enemy who is trying to ensnare us in sin and hold our spirits captive, sows confusion and disorder. He's the father of lies and lives in darkness. And when you're in darkness, it's chaotic. When you can't see the way to go, left becomes right, right becomes left, forward becomes backward, and things just make less sense. The longer we're held in captivity, the less clarity we have about God's purpose and plan for our life or the direction God intends for us to travel down. Moses tells God's people, for right now, maybe all you need to do to be really set free is to be still. To be still. Practice living in the peace of God and letting him really set your heart and mind free. The the truth about your situation, no matter what it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how, how long you've been in your situation, is that we serve a God who can truly set you free. Now, if you were to read the book of Exodus from the point we just left forward, the Israelites go through a lot more hardship and misery before they truly live set free lives. After they're brought out of Egypt, they complain that there's not anything to eat. So God provides manna and quail to meet their physical need for hunger. In Exodus 17, they complain about not having enough to drink. So God causes water to flow from a rock and meet their need for thirst. In Exodus 32, as Moses is on the mountain receiving the commands from God, the Israelites grow impatient and they make something they can worship, a golden calf. God, as Moses comes down from the mountain, God is frustrated with the people. Moses prays that God deliver them and God provides them direction on how to really live set free. I want to focus on three things found in the latter part of Exodus that I think will clarify how to really live a set free life if you'll allow God to truly set your heart free. The first thing the Israelites had to do as a result of their complaining, their sinfulness, and their idolatry was to seek after God's forgiveness. The first thing you and I have to do if we want to live set free is seek after the forgiveness of an almighty God who loves justice. In Exodus 33, after the Israelites have created this calf and been complaining and demonstrated the brokenness of their hearts, God confronts them through Moses. And when the people heard these distressing confrontational words, they begin to mourn. And listen to this. No one would put on the ornaments that they had been given in Egypt. For the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off these ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off all their ornaments at Mount Oreb. Here's the truth, church. You and I must be willing to truly bear our souls to the Lord God if we want to be forgiven by Him. 
We got to take off our mask. We got to show God who we really are. We have to mourn and let ourselves become grieved over the brokenness and fallenness and sinfulness in our hearts. Those ornaments that the Israelites take off are emblems that represent the old life. They're part of a costume that represents an old way. And in our lives day to day, it is so easy to put on an old facade or old vestiges of the past, an old mindset or our own attitude, our old attitude, just because those things feel familiar. And if we're really going to mourn and we're going to be broken by the reality that our hearts have truly been held captive by sinfulness, then we got to be willing to completely do away with every remnant from our old life. We've got to be willing to truly abandon it and put it in our past and seek after the Lord God with mourning and with brokenness and with a contrite heart and not keep anything from our past in the present that God is beginning to establish in us. When, when, when the Israelites take off these ornaments, it's literally like shedding the last pieces of their past so that they can fully realize the future that God has for them. Think about the ornaments that you and I wear. Pride or arrogance. Here's one common one that we wear being put together. Man, I like to show up to church in a suit. Looking sharp, clean shaven, with, with the image that I got it figured out. But the truth about me is I don't necessarily have it figured out more than anybody else. And it's not until I'm willing to admit my brokenness before God and be honest with Him that He can truly set me free. I gotta take off those ornaments from my past and be willing to put them at the feet of God so that He can truly set me free. When you're looking at your life right now, are you wearing ornaments from your old life? Are you trying to pretend like things maybe aren't as bad as they truly are? Like you weren't as captive as you actually were and avoiding the brokenness that would otherwise set you free? Take the mask off. Abandon every part of the old life and live set free in the name of Jesus. Not only do we need to seek God's forgiveness by truly abandoning all the facades and vestiges of the old life, we've got to practice living in the presence of God. God essentially told the Israelites they were so broken and messed up that if he traveled with them to the land of Canaan, the land that flowed with milk and honey, the promised land, that he would likely destroy them because they were such a messed up group of people. This grieved the heart of Moses, and Moses says to God, If your presence does not go with us, then don't send us up from here. How will anyone know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you come with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because, I'm compl- because I am pleased with you, and I know you By name. If you want to live practicing the presence of God, the first thing you got to be willing to do is be different than everybody else. Moses says, Lord, if you don't go with us, we'll seem just like every other group of people on the face of the earth. No one will be afraid of us as we march into the promised land. We won't have your blessing. We won't have you as our guide. We can't go if you're not going. 
Moses was willing to be different so that he could live a different life. God is calling some of you to live differently. And it's uncomfortable to live differently. It's uncomfortable not to maintain the status quo. It's uncomfortable to have different moral standards, to have different boundaries, to have a different routine, to have different values in life. But you will not have the presence of God in your life until you've decided that the status quo and the comfort that the status quo offers is not as important to you as living with the presence of God in your life. You can live, and this is a sad, sad situation. You can live without God's presence in your life. You can survive, but you'll never thrive without God's presence in your life. And the reason some of us struggle in our spiritual walk and we're not really living set free has a lot to do with the reality that we're simply surviving spiritually and not thriving Because we're settling for the status quo for being like everybody else and not really living differently. Moses says, we don't want to be like everybody else. We want your presence to go with us and to distinguish us from everybody else on earth. The next thing that we learn is that it is critical if we want to live set free to persist in practicing God's principles. God sets us free really inside by showing us the need for, for, for us to seek his forgiveness. God sets us free truly by allowing us to live in his presence through being different. Through having different values. Through having different routines. Through centering our world around different things. And God has given us principles to follow that if we persist in, we will really live set free lives. In Exodus 34, God says, I am making a covenant with you before all your people and I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. And in verse 11, this is so important, God says, Obey what I command to you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Our lives are truly set free to the extent that we buy into and live by the principles of the Lord. Our lives are truly set free to the extent that we buy into and live by the principles of the Lord. I get to work with a lot of people who are seeking transformation in their life. And as a rural church, the path to transformation is always very simple. It's just not easy. For example, you've got to be open and honest and establish a system of support that can help guide and direct your life on a daily basis. If people would just submit to that structure or system of support and really be open and honest with the people that God's put in their life to help guide them, people would be set free. 
But our tendency is to want to hide. It's to want to conceal. It's to want to keep those ornaments of our past on and act like we got it all put together. And to the extent that we do that, we don't really get to live by God's principles. But I'll tell you this, when somebody really buys in and really decides they're going to live by the principles of the Lord and they're going to be honest and they're going to do the things that God teaches them to do, the moment they buy in is the moment their heart is truly set free. I see that all the time. You show me somebody who's committed to the things of God and surrendered to the process and plan of God, and I'll show you someone who is truly set free or being set free. The other thing that God's teaching us right here, that God tells the Israelites, is not to leave any traces of junk in our lives. I don't know if you've read the story of the Israelites uh, entering into the promised land and having to fight different tribes represented there that were inhabiting the land. But God has some pretty harsh language for, for those guys. Don't leave anyone alive. Don't leave any of these people still in the land. Don't leave any of these guys to influence you. And God is not content for you to have anything in your life that could influence you more powerfully than he could. So when God tells the Israelites, destroy every nation that you come into contact with, God's, in a sense, telling them, clear out all the temptations in your life. Clear out all the junk in your life. Clear out everything in your life that could tug at your heart and compete with me. Because I am a jealous God. And the likeliest pathway to be led back into captivity is worshiping something or centering your life around something the same way God calls you to worship or center your life around him. It's no wonder God ends this discussion he's having with his people around idolatry because idolatry for you and I is the quickest way back into captivity. When we organize our thinking and our heart and our life around anything other than God, that's idolatry. That's why God tells us he is a jealous God who won't settle for competing with anything in our heart for his love. So you have to ask yourself that question, where where is my heart today? What competes for my heart's affection? And not all of these things are bad, church family. Not everything that competes for your heart's uh, affection, not everything that influences you to to revolve your, your world around it, would we all look at and go, obviously, that's sin. But it is sin to the extent that it competes with God's place in our life to be our Lord and our King. Some of your hearts are in captivity right now. Some of you watching online, some of your hearts are in captivity right now. The first thing you need to do is is get vulnerable before the Lord. Take all the ornaments of the old life off and be honest and broken and contrite and remorseful and repent. Then be willing to live differently, to have a different set of values, to have a different set of routines, to have a different set of of principles that you live by so that God's presence can manifest itself in your life and God can guide you and be with you as you live the life he's called you to live. And as you are living that life, align yourself with the principles of God and you will never find yourself in captivity again. You can always Live set free. That's God's plan for you, church. And that's how he's going to truly rescue your heart.
Please bow with me while together we pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you. I am so grateful for this church family. I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for the path that you set out to teach us how to truly be set free. God, if we will come to you with broken and contrite hearts and we'll remove all the vestiges, all the ornaments from the past and we'll expose our true heart to you, you'll heal us and you'll forgive us. And if we will choose to live differently and not settle for the status quo, we will experience the power of your presence in our lives to guide us and fill us with a sense of purpose. And as we live out that purpose, Lord, if we will align our life with your principles, God, not only will we live set free, we don't ever have to fear being taken captive again. Lord, I ask for any whose hearts or minds are held captive by sin, by the enemy, by any kind of confusion, or by the old life, Lord, that you would work at, at, at rescuing those individuals and setting them free. Give them a measure of strength to respond and begin to free their hearts. I ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.